The sun is in Aquarius, the moon is in Aries, and you're listening to Ryan the Sagittarius, a podcast seeking truth and wisdom on the quest to free Britney. Hello, my name is Ryan and I'm a Sagittarius and welcome to my podcast. I decided to do this podcast after having two Instagram accounts taken away from me. Brittany the Sagittarius was my original account and it was hacked the end of October and then Brittany the Saggy was my second account and it was disabled the end of January. I have really not had any luck um, with Instagram in getting these accounts back and um, I'm a bit sick of creating accounts and having the work uh, just removed, erased uh, with, with, with no, for no reason. And um, so I thought, in, I, I did create another Instagram account. It is Ryan the Sagittarius, Ryan with two N's. Uh, but I thought in addition to creating another Insta account, I wanted to have a way to protect the work that has been put into this in a way and I felt in a better way and I felt a podcast was a good way to do that. Um, I did a lot of lives on my account and a lot of people helped me do those lives. There was so much input and so much work and energy put into it. It, uh, it, it seems uh, this is a good direction to go to better protect everyone's involvement um, who has helped me with uh, my, my accounts. And so here we are doing this uh, podcast, and uh, I, I have to thank um, everyone who encouraged me to do this. I still am like, what what am I doing? Like, who am I? I'm doing a podcast. This is silly, but um, it, it's thanks to so much encouragement that I, I really felt that uh, I, I can go forward in this, and that um, this is a good thing to do. So yeah, uh, thank you so much for everyone who did that. Um, these are clearly my opinions. I come from a caregiver perspective. I come from a lot of different perspectives, but that's kind of my main tie into the Free Britney movement is my experience in caregiving with people um, who have Alzheimer's and dementia and then developmental disabilities. So that's um, just for background info, that uh, is part of my perspective. But uh, anyways, um, enough about all that. Let's get into the recent happenings that's been going on with Brittany. There's so much to talk about. Uh, in this episode, I definitely want to talk, we're going to talk about um, the New York Times documentary, Framing Britney Spears. It's made a huge impact. Everyone's talking about it. We got to talk about that. We have to talk about Justin Timberfake. We need to talk about Sarah Silverman. And then Sam Asghari popping off at James Spears. Definitely got to talk about that. But before we get into any of that, let's do a quick court recap of what happened at the last hearing for Brittany, which occurred on February 11th. So at the last court hearing on February 11th, uh, James Spears, Brittany's father, and the, a fiduciary company, Bessemer Trust, uh, it was kind of officially made that they are both co-conservators of Brittany's estate which means her money. So James Spears and Bessemer Trust are now both officially co-conservators of Britney's estate. Um, this really was like the, the result of this hearing and it was a bit uh, kind of lackluster for a lot of the Free Britney movement because this decision was supposed to have been made in November. Um, but after November, when it was decided that Bessemer would be co-conservator, James's side, uh, through all these objections of all these different things of saying, well, you know, it, 
we're not equal powers here. Actually, you're not co-conservator. Oh, you are co-conservator, but you still have to pay for the insurance or this is your responsibility or I don't have to give you that. Just all this back and forth of all this nonsense um, of things that should have been established and already figured out, but they were not, such as the nature of probate court. And um, so here we are not having had this finalized until February. And um, But it seems like it's still... Even though Bessemer is now officially co-conservator of Britney's estate, it seems like things are still really up in the air. Um, you know, I know it's been reported that uh, they have equal powers, but it seems like that's not exactly true because it doesn't seem like the powers have actually even been distributed or really allotted yet. Um, the parameters, expectations, boundaries, all of that stuff hasn't really been established, it seems. And um, I know on Twitter... That surprise witness asked Britney's Graham. Britney's Graham was inside of the courthouse while this hearing happened, and so they were privy to this information. Um, that surprise witness asked Britney's Graham, was there any discussion of how James and Bessemer will handle disagreements if there's you know any disputes? And Britney's Graham said no, there wasn't any discussion of that. So that's obviously a huge area that um, is not been really established yet. So while this is good news, I, I don't want to take away that this is good news. There's still so much more that I, I feel like this hasn't been settled officially yet. Um, and that seems to be a consistent reoccurring theme with all of these hearings. Uh, what was interesting about this hearing is... This is really the first time that um, the press reported as Britney winning, as if, you know, Britney's side is winning. And uh, it definitely wasn't a loss for Britney, but it kind of, you know, as we've said already, that this was already established in November, so it's kind of old news. Um, but the press really went, went with it, just acting, you know, Spears wins against father and this or that. It, it was a, a huge different take than what has been uh, showcased in the past, even as recently as the last court hearing. Um, in the past, the press has more seen, made it seem like James's side is winning, when the reality, it kind of seems like neither side is really going anywhere. And bottom line, the only one who's really losing is, is Brittany because she's paying for both sides of this and she's losing a ton of money with every delay, with every, you know, this is all about billable hours for people. And so the longer they can drag this out and nitpick at every little decision, they will because that is a lot of extra money. And so again, it was good news that um, now Bessemer is there, but it, I kind of I'm wondering how much are they going to have access to because I just feel like James and company they're not going to give over these filings and paperwork and the books they're just not going to give it over without a, a fight um, and we would think that this would resolve by now but it's clearly not so. <sighs> so I guess <laughs> at the end of the day that court hearing. Um, Officially, yes, James and Bessemer are both co-conservators of Britney's estate. They are not equal powers, though, and it seems still unclear exactly who has what power. And so I guess we just have to stay tuned. The next court hearing is St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, and there should be phys a physical rally there that day. Uh, I'm not quite sure. It really does depend on how COVID is happening in L.A., but I would expect that a uh, physical rally would happen Um 
And uh, certainly there, there are physical rallies in other cities too. So if you are interested in going to a physical rally, uh, just look up, you know, any free Britney account that's near where you are. They're, they're kind they're really all over. You can just look up the nearest big city and free Britney, whatever major cities next to you and see if they have one. Um, and then even if there's not, you can always host your own rally. Uh, you can, you know, in any way to get this awareness out there is really a great thing. And there's been so many people who have had their own rallies of just literally two people. And they've said it was a blast and they were able to talk to a lot of people. So yeah. <sighs> Okay, well, enough about that court hearing where nothing, well, I, something happened, but, you know, it should have already happened. But uh, enough about that. Let's go on to talk about the New York Times documentary, Framing Britney Spears. Um, this documentary first debuted on uh, Hulu and FX, I believe. Yeah, on February 5th. And it made a huge impact. Every It seems like everyone's talking about this. This is very much um, like water cooler conversation. P- everyone's asking, have you seen the documentary? There's been a huge buzz. Britney's been like the most searched celebrity for like the last week or so. Like it's just been consistent of trending and just a huge buzz. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's, it's made a huge impact. And uh, I think that's amazing. I think it's so good that there is people are it's becoming common knowledge that the things that happened to Britney were not okay and we really need to view this with a different set of eyes you know things I mean things weren't things shouldn't have been different back then but they were we we have more understanding of some things um I would maybe debate if any change really truly has happened but in the very least we know that this is unacceptable behavior at this point so it was really good for the public to see uh, all of this kind of mistreatment and things that has happened. It was good to have that all be in one place, you know, because these were all film clips and videos that uh, we fans have been seeing for years. You know, it's common knowledge for us, but it really wasn't for the general public. And so it was so good to have that be in one place and for people to see this and really understand like, wow, it 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 was not okay what happened to Britney Spears. And at large, we need to think about how we are treating celebrities in the media, particularly women. Um, so that was great. Uh, I really loved that Felicia was in it. Uh, for me, it Felicia being in it clarified so many things for me. So I didn't really understand what Felicia's role was since this conservatorship came about. And so it was really good to have her speak on that and uh, clarify that she wasn't hired by Britney's team, but it seemed more like she was hired by like a third party or like she would like officially hired in a a security aspect and did like, you know, all this is in any event, whatever, however she was hired through, it wasn't Britney's team directly. And that was new information to me. I always thought that she had been, um, you know, certainly I think that's kind of the impression her team wanted people to have. And, you know, like Felicia wasn't doing security, like she's not like a bodyguard, you know, she was doing, uh, you know, backstage passes and was part of like the meet and greets and stuff. And I think her being there made people think that she was still truly a part of Britney's team and like a really still close relationship with Britney and all of that. And this documentary kind of makes it clear that that's not really how it was. Um, not speaking on Brittany and Fee's relationship. I have no, I, you know, I don't know anything about that. It seems more so though, like 
I, I was kind of under the impression that, you know, if, if Felicia wants to call Brittany, she can just like call her up whenever she wants or like they still are, are you know, talking a lot while working. And that's just not really the impression I got from this documentary. So that clarified a lot of um, kind of questions I had about Felicia. And uh, I'm so glad that she clarified that. And I'm so glad she was in this. This is really the first time she's really spoken um, about Brittany. And I thought that was... You know, the fans, we have such a... She's really the only part person who's attached to Britney who we have kind of some rapport with. And, um, you know, Felicia makes people feel safe. And so I definitely think that is a reason why the team um, kept her around to keep give pe- continue to give people that warm and fuzzy feeling. Um, and, yeah, it's I guess it wasn't quite that. But uh, I'm anyways, I'm, I'm rambling. I'm so glad Felicia was in it. Uh, I also love that For the Record was in it. You know, for the record, is seriously a gold mine of information, and really kind of seems to be the last time we truly got Britney's perspective. I think we can all agree that for the record is not something that we would see um, be allowed for Britney to do now in 2021, and so it is just such a valuable documentary. If you haven't seen for the record in full, please, please watch it uh, for context. It is a documentary that aired within the first year of the conservatorship being placed and prior to Britney going on her circus tour. And uh, yeah, it's very eye-opening. And it was great that parts of it were in the documentary. Um, You know what? Also, something I... I really did like that they brought up, um, you know, aspects of feminism and misogyny because that certainly plays a huge role in Britney's story I guess I wish they'd gone a little bit further. Um, You know, I took notes while I watched this documentary and something I did write down was that we... Ugh, this is going to upset some people and just kind of a trigger warning, but I think as a culture, we tend to... um, You know, we normalize the sexualization of little girls And that was something that while they showed clips of some of that being um, enacted, I wish it had been stated a little bit more directly. Um, You know, even though they were bringing up aspects of how Britney was seen as a Lolita and, um, you know, Baby One More Time was so was so sexual in nature. And uh, I I don't you know, I was 11 when Baby One More Time came out and I didn't think it was sexual in nature. I don't think midriff is inherently sexual and I think we need to dissect that a little bit more as a society as to why did we think that this was inherently sexual because ultimately it was a high school girl dancing in a high school setting and it's kind of on us if we made that sexual um it's uh I wish there was a little bit more of an analysis of that rather than just, um, you know, apologies. Uh, but, uh, we can get into that later. (laughs) Um, yeah, I just wish they had, had brought that up a bit. Um, I also wish they had pointed out that, you know, who was it? Kendall Ehrlich, uh, the woman who said that if she could shoot Britney Spears, she would, you know, they showed that clip. Um, I wish someone had specifically said that this was a very public, condoning of violence towards women. Uh, And 
Diane Sawyer certainly co-signed that violence against a woman by all the things she said to Brittany, completely like making it clear she didn't think it was a total huge issue that this woman said that. Um, It should have been appalling to everyone that this was said, but because we have a culture of normalizing this type of violence, it wasn't as as alarming as it should have been. And I would like that to be part of the ongoing conversation with this because what happened to Britney Spears, it wasn't just horrible what we, what we did and people's reactions. It it was, it was, it was violent and, um, we need to start understanding it, how it was violent. It wasn't just bad. It wasn't just mean it's violent. And it's part of a cycle that continues to perpetuate harm. Um, (laughs) Moving on from that, uh, I loved that they showed uh, Britney making creative decisions. It is such a uh, stereotype of Britney being a puppet in the industry and she didn't have any input of all this. Any Britney fan can tell you that's so not true. She has had so much behind making the decisions and I really do think Britney's career does best when she's in charge of making creative decisions. And... um, yeah, I mean, there, that's, there's, there's a lot to be said with that. Um, but uh, one thing I, I, I'm a little, I'm frustrated with uh, the press continuing to say things as this is a court-ordered conservatorship. Because James Spears was the one who petitioned the court that and started this whole thing. Um, I think when it, when it said again and again it's a court-ordered conservatorship, it uh, doesn't it doesn't paint, it's, it's a bit misleading um, because James really did go to the court. He started this whole process. Um, now, that being said, uh, James certainly did not um, know all of this on his own and there's a lot to be said with that. But uh, anyways, he's the one who petitioned the court. Um, I don't like that uh, Vivian Thorine was in it. I really wish she hadn't been in it. Um, I can see from a journalist journalistic perspective how she could be an interesting person to speak to, but she really didn't provide anything that was specific to Britney's case at all. She even flat out said she wasn't going to speak specifically about Britney's case. Instead, she was going to speak hypothetically. We don't need her there speaking hypothetically. We could have had Lisa McCarley speak hypothetically, you know, anyone could have spoke hypothetically. We don't need to know the hypotheticals of a conservatorship. We don't need to know even how technically a conservatorship is supposed to run. The issue is, is that, yeah, we can say that this is how it officially is and this is how it's supposed to go, but they aren't being executed that way. So speaking in hypotheticals is really a waste of time and um, I just cringe seeing her on the screen. Ugh. Rather than Vivian Thorine, it would have been a lot more appropriate to have had somebody who is disabled or somebody who has been in a conservatorship and get their perspective on what's the issue with these guardianships and conservatorships all over the place. What are they seeing that the problems are? What do they think would be better ways to support people? Because if the entire idea of a conservatorship is to support people, maybe we should be hearing directly from the people they're intended to support. Um, I wish they had mentioned that, you know, when they talked about Lufty, I wish someone had pointed out that a restraining order certainly would have been enough to keep him away. It wasn't necessary to have a conservatorship. They could have just gotten a restraining order against him. Um, It, uh, 
Lefty is an interesting character. Um, I think at the end of the day, Lefty probably knows a lot. And there's a reason why they are so concerned. They, meaning Britney's team, they are so concerned about keeping him quiet. And, uh, yeah. Um, Adam Streisand being in the, the documentary, uh, Streisand, Adam Streisand being the first lawyer that Britney attempted to hire to kind of fight against this whole situation. Um, you know, he said that kind of that, like Britney understood the conservatorship was going to happen. Um, she didn't want it, but she understood it was going to happen. And she just really didn't want her dad to be in charge. And so he felt that, you know, she couldn't fight the conservatorship, but at least we can try to appeal to the court's sympathy and get it so that Britney can, can, can select her conservator. I think that being a thought process for Streisand um, shows a uh, area that he's not seeing the full picture. Because if he thought that he could appeal to the court's humanity, shows he's not really seeing the issues of the systemic, the systemic issues of the probate court. Um, you know, once you he he should know that once you go into a probate conservatorship, you don't come out. You, you pretty much don't come out. Even Vivian Thorin said that, like she hasn't seen it because it's designed this way. So if Adam Streisand knew that Brittany didn't actually want this conservatorship, but just felt that she couldn't fight it, I really feel that it was his job as an attorney to truly advocate for her and let her know, actually, Brittany, you can fight this. Your rights are being violated. Your rights are your constitutional rights are being violated. Your right to due process is being violated. Your right to being notified. Your right to hire your own attorney. All of this is being violated. He could have pressed with that. Um, I find it a bit concerning that those things weren't brought up. But um, I am glad that Adam Streisand spoke in the documentary, and he seems to be um, on Britney's side and wanting to free Britney. I just Ultimately, um, he's a lawyer who does have relationships with a lot of the people who were part of this initiation of the conservatorship, such as, you know, Reva Getz and Dr. Spar, who both decided that Brittany was incapacitated to the point of not being able to hire her own attorney. They were the reasons why he couldn't represent Brittany. And I do think part of his personal relationships with them interfered with that. Because he himself said that he met Brittany and he felt she was totally ca capable of hiring her own attorney. You know, she, she knew what was going on. She was aware. It was, you know, there was, this wasn't a matter of undue influence. He himself felt that way. Why did he discredit his own feelings so much just because Spar and a judge said that? Why didn't that ring alarm bells in his head? I think this is a testament to showing that, you know, for him, he's thinking, well, you know, Sparsing is a nice guy. I know him to be a man of integrity and Rivaga, you know, whatever. He's he's basing these on his own personal relationships rather than the information that's in front of him. And that's very concerning for a lawyer to engage in that type of behavior. Um, again, I'm not saying Adam Streisand is a bad guy. I it, It's not about that. It just shows to me um, that he still doesn't fully get it and him saying he trusts the system certainly shows that he still doesn't fully get it. And um, that is frustrating. But uh, I am glad that he spoke in the documentary. 
Um, oh, okay, though. Going backwards on that a little bit, though. <laughs> I don't, I really don't like that he said, we don't know what we don't know. Because that's just like really frustrating to have that be said when so much of the information that we do know wasn't included in the documentary. I also think that ultimately he can't deny that these were huge violations of rights, no matter what the situation is. Um, it, I just, yuck. I really don't like that. I think that has got to go. We know so much. This conservatorship was a fraud from the start. It was initiated under illegal circumstances and it, it should never have happened. It never should have happened. And it certainly should not be continuing to this day. Anyways, um, I, you know, I guess that's kind of the thing is as much as I love that the documentary has made a huge impact and it's getting people thinking about these things, uh, it really does feel like this documentary is like the third wave of the Free Britney movement. Um, the first wave being the voicemail from Britney's Graham, the second wave being like, uh, the TikTok from Moonwalk Mars. And then now this documentary being the third wave. And so it is so great to see people um, engage with this. I do feel um, a little, uh, I don't quite know the emotion. I, I guess a little sad that uh, it's as amazing as it is to see this response. I do feel that this documentary was a missed opportunity to really educate and mobilize people on the very real issue that is conservatorship abuse. This is an issue that could affect any of us and it's largely affecting, you know, old people and disabled people. These are historically populations that we kind of don't care about, that we neglect, that we just don't talk about, we don't think about and um you know, whether Brittany likes it or not, she's she's become a huge reason why people are aware of this entire situation. And it people need to know about this. We really do need to know because this is a way that the United States government is legally stealing from people and their generational wealth. Beyond their wealth, they're stealing their rights. They're stealing their lives. And this is serious. We, we really need people to know this. Um, I definitely think there could have been a way to tell Britney's story and also include part of this information. Let people know the serious of this. Let people know the, the systemic issues within this. Let people know how this can happen. Because I think that's still a question for a lot of people. People, you know, a lot of people still really do trust the systems and they don't understand how this could happen. They don't understand how deep this level of corruption and cronyism goes. And we need to start having these conversations so people know and can be aware and we can start protecting ourselves. Things have got to change with these, with this whole conservatorship situation. And uh, I, I just wish the documentary, it would have been so amazing to see people really sympathize with Brittany and also feel empowered and encouraged to, you know, go forward and, and you know, be 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 angry actually that this is allowed to happen this shouldn't even be allowed to happen to, to anyone and uh i i just would have loved if the documentary could have achieved that um but uh again it is still so great to see the overwhelming response um i think uh there 
definitely a lot of, there's a lot of genuine responses of people having no idea. I know so many people had no idea about a lot of this and, um, it is almost baffling if you've been in the free Britney movement for so long to what people still don't know about this, but, but they don't. And so it was great for people to know about this. Um, some of the celebrities are, uh, as much as I'm glad that they're tweeting about it and stuff, I wish they'd go a little further beyond just a hashtag. Um, I don't think movements really can be built on hashtags. I think we have to go more and give more information. Um, it's a little frustrating with some of the celebrities too because a lot of them knew something was going on and no one said anything. And I know the Free Britney movement, we've contacted a lot of celebrities to let them know what's going on and a lot of them stayed silent um you know a lot did speak out and I know for myself I'm definitely going to remember the celebrities who spoke out before this documentary because they're the ones who really listened um but I also am glad that there are celebrities now who are supporting Britney I hope it's more than just a one tweet. I hope they uh, keep going forward. It would be amazing if they would use their platforms to help educate people more on conservatorship abuse. Um, you know, apologies are all well and good, uh, but it kind of seems that some people are saying sorry. It's it's more about them. It's more about their feelings of feeling guilty for what they said and did to Britney, rather than uh, I don't know. I mean. I don't, Britney didn't ask for an apology. Uh, I have no idea what Britney thinks. It's just, it is a little strange because like, who is this apology for? Um, but in any event, you know, I'm sure there are people who genuinely do feel bad. Um, you know, and I'm definitely not saying people can't feel bad. It's just, let's, you know, have your feelings and then let's go forward. Let's let's go forward and truly helping free Britney and helping all the people trapped in these abusive conservatorships. Um, it would be so amazing if celebrities could use their platform to discuss conservatorship abuse at large, um, even if they could share uh, resources that the Free Britney movement has provided. It would be really cool. Um, so uh, we'll see what they do. But uh, in any event, uh, for anyone who wants to know more about conservatorship abuse, uh, it, it, it's really great if you can watch Framing Britney Spears and then follow it up by watching The Guardian's. The Guardians is a investigative documentary that you can find on Amazon Prime Video, and it uh, fully gets into um, you know the system of the probate courts and how this abuse happens and how it is allowed to happen. Uh, another great episode um, documentary to watch is from the series Dirty Money. There is an episode called Guardians Inc. It is very, very good at explaining the entire system. The, 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 the same thing. It, um, it explains all of it. It really, if you still don't understand how can this happen to Britney, these documents, documentaries do a really excellent job of explaining that. Um, the Dirty Money episode was on Netflix, but it has since been removed. Um, there was a lawsuit against them, but... In the settlement, it, there was no court order to remove the episode. Um, this is per people who were involved with the documentary, um, you know, lawyers involved with the documentary. There was no like judge order to remove the episode. So it seems like this decision to remove the episode was an internal decision from Netflix. Um, weird that they did that. I I, I don't like that. Um, it was an amazing episode. If 
Anyone can find a place where you can uh, easily watch that episode. Again, it's um, Dirty Money, the episode Guardians Inc. Please let me know because uh, I think it is so valuable and definitely needs to be shared and people need to know this information. Um, yeah, because ultimately uh, conservatorships thrive because people assume the system is functioning and it's not. So uh, yeah, we just got to educate ourselves. Um if you want more information part specifically about Britney's situation, I recommend watching the Deep Dive documentaries, the series um, on YouTube. It's uh, Deep Dive. It's a five-part series. You can start on part three if you want to. Um, so yeah, uh, recommend those for sure. Okay, moving on from that, let's talk about, ugh, even though I don't want to, let's Let's talk about Timberfake, Justin Timberlake. Um, you know, after the documentary aired, uh, he really um, got it. People were just like, wow, he, I cannot believe he did all these things to Britney. Um, you know, he's just horrible, blah, blah, blah. And so people were mad. And so people were demanding that he apologize. And um, he did. I guess. Uh, well, did he? He wrote a little note. He has a little post um, about all of this. And he, you know, I really don't want to read it. I don't want to get into him any more than you have to. But um, essentially, the apology didn't really seem like an apology. He didn't even say, he said, I would like to apologize too. He never said, I'm sorry. And, um, you know, he. this was supposed to be towards Janet Jackson and Britney Spears for all the things he did to them. Um, you know, all of the just exposure he did to Britney about their personal relationship and just, you know, being horrible, not supportive of her. And then for him, uh, being a part of the Super Bowl performance with Janet and him being the one who ripped her clothes, ex exposing her nipple. And yet Janet was the one who experienced all the backlash. Um, regardless of what you think of that incident, like Janet shouldn't have been alone in that. It was an accident and like, it's just, it's ridiculous. Like really people had this horrible reaction about a nipple. It just was, Justin should have stood by her and he didn't at all. And uh, I just think he's so, he's trash. He's honestly trash. He's always been trash. Uh, I just wish Justin Timberlake would go away. I really wish he would just go away. I'm sick of him. Um, you know, go live your life. It just, please go away. And certainly stop talking about Britney Spears and Janet Jackson. It's ridiculous. Um, but I wanted to read uh, what an author wrote. Uh, her name is Laura Witt. She writes for Fem Feminist and also We Wear Your Voice. Um, amazing accounts, definitely recommend following them. But um, this is what she wrote into regard to Justin's non-apology, uh, because I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, she writes, he didn't fail Britney Spears or Janet Jackson. He attacked Spears for years and was complicit in Janet's career getting derailed because of his actions. Failure is when you try to do something and don't succeed. Always analyze the words, tone, and context of these so-called apologies. He uses words like ignorance, missteps, evading actual accountability for his years-long trashing of Spears, 
and harm caused to Jackson. He wasn't ignorant. He was calculated. He's had years to apologize and is only doing so now because it's bad PR. We, writers, reporters, feminist publications, have written about his behavior for years, but the New York Times documentary about Spears has made it a career necessity for him to respond. Timberlake has been accumulating substantial wealth and racking up opportunities for 20 years while Spears and Jackson saw their lives upended while he watched. Not only did he watch, he did this to them and exploited systems of misogyny and anti-blackness to do so. And that is 100% correct. Um, I think we... It is a bit baffling to me for so many people to be saying, well, you know, better late than never. What did he do? Because he still hasn't really taken accountability. This isn't about him just, you know, he kind of acts as if like his actions were just a byproduct of the industry. It just happened. And it's like, no, you were an active participant in this. There's a reason why we're saying you're trash. Because you are. I, you know, and... He's had people try to talk to him about this before, and he just completely dismisses it. And as recent as 2013, he was mocking Janet still about the Super Bowl situation. So again, he's trash. So sick of him. Just want him to go away. Um, and I think it's really gross that Jessica Beale, his wife, wrote under as a comment as part of this non-apology, I love you. I, you know what I love, Jessica? Vaccines. Anyway, enough about them. Let's move on to another problematic white woman, uh, Sarah Silverman. Uh, Sarah Silverman was another celebrity who, after this documentary aired, who people really were, you know, kind of saying things to her that, that she should apologize. Uh, for those who don't know, Sarah Silverman uh, mocked Britney Spears before the uh, infamous 2007 VMA performance. Um, Sarah is trying to kind of paint the picture now that she was just there to do a job. She was just, you know, part of being, you know, it was part of the gig of, you know, making fun of Britney Spears and that was that. Um, but I really don't think it was just doing a job because it really was so beyond acceptable and so just, it wasn't a fun jab. It was truly appalling. Um, Sarah Silverman, actually what she did was she called Britney Spears' children mistakes, acted like Britney would not accomplish anything else in her life, and then proceeded to turn her head and pull her lips, mimicking, mocking what a labia looks like as a direct insult and reference to Britney Spears having had a paparazzi take a picture upskirt of her and sell that photo everywhere. You know, Britney Spears' vagina was in photos everywhere. And rather than being like, wow, that is horrible that that happened. This shouldn't happen. This shouldn't be a thing that paparazzi could even do. This is harassment. Sarah Silverman decided to mock that on television. So it is so gross that she thinks of this as just doing a job. It was beyond that. And this is another larger issue of misogyny. Um, just even mocking female genitalia like that is just like, what is wrong with you? This is, I just can't with her. Um, I don't understand. And you know, and it wasn't even funny then. She acts like she was doing a job, but 
people in the audience didn't really laugh. There was like some awkward laughter, but it wasn't okay even then. So I'm really sick of this idea of like, oh, well, that was then and it's okay. No, it wasn't okay then. And you should be apologizing now. I'm not saying Britney wants these apologies, but Sarah Silverman, just on a personal level, should be appalled at this behavior. I don't understand why she's on a podcast acting as if this is completely ridiculous that she's being called out for and why does she have to even talk about this blah 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 i don't i don't see why she can't just say like wow that was horrible i'm so sorry it's really that simple um but uh i mean i guess it's it's also good though that she's just being i mean she acted like she apologized but she didn't and that's the thing like and people are even acting like she is getting a pass now and I'm not saying we need to drag this on, on, and on, and there has to be like some pilgrimage for these people. I'm just saying we shouldn't act as if it's okay what happened, and we shouldn't, we certainly shouldn't act like their responses are okay. Um, I just think we should ignore these people, and um, they need to just fade out because they, if they can't use their platforms responsibly and even see what they did was wrong, why are they, what are they doing? It's, it's, it's just gross. So, um, she should be holding herself accountable. We shouldn't be having to do it for her. Anyways, in much happier news, uh, Sam Asghari, Brittany's boyfriend, recently posted on his Instagram stories calling James Spears a dick. And it was amazing. It's so funny. I, you know, there's been so much speculation with Sam and, um, you know, so many people have wondered why he hasn't spoken out. And I just think it's a matter of, is he even allowed to, you know, you would think that anyone really close to Brittany wouldn't be allowed to say a lot of things. You know, if you notice in the documentary, Felicia was quite careful about what she said. Uh, so, and certainly her press releases since then have been quite careful still, you know, she'll talk about Lynn and be open about that. But when she talks about Brittany, it's, it's different. So, um, certainly it seems like something's going on there. Anyways, let me read what Sam, uh, wrote in his Insta stories. Now it's important for people to understand that I have zero respect for someone trying to control our relationship and constantly throwing obstacles our way. In my opinion, Jamie is a total dick. I won't be going into details because I've always respected our privacy, but at the same time, I didn't come to this country to not be able to express my opinion and freedom. And that is what Sam Asghari said about James Spears. It is amazing that um, now one of Britney's sons and her boyfriend have called James Spears a dick. It just cracks me up. Um, but uh, it, no, there is no but. It's, it cracks me up. I think it's hilarious. Um, I think it's really good that Britney has Sam as a support system. It certainly uh, must feel encouraging to have this kind of public support and have him there. Um, you know, it, it isn't, especially when we're going through difficulties with family members, um, quite often as individuals, we can feel guilty and maybe like we're doing the wrong thing. And, um, you know, I don't know how Brittany feels, but I would, I would imagine it's difficult to have to deal with, um, a father acting like this. And, uh, you know, cause I'm sure Brit Brittany doesn't, I don't think she wants to fight with her dad. You know, it doesn't really seem like in, within her character, and so it, uh, she maybe sometimes doubts herself. It's, it's normal to do. And I think it's just so good that 
she has Sam to like let her know like no it's it's unacceptable how you're being treated it it doesn't matter that he's your father you're a human being and you deserve a certain level of respect it's it's so important for us to have people like that in our lives to let us know our worth and encourage us and to keep giving us strength and I do think that Sam is accomplishing that and um yeah and so it's it's good it's good um I'm thinking about the comment where he said like obstacles in our way and controlling our relationship. Um, there's been rumors that James Spears doesn't want to let Brittany marry Sam um, or that he won't let her have a baby with Sam. And, uh, you know, this is really upsetting for some people to hear. Um, you know, it's alleged. Uh, it's It's been reported that Brittany set told this to the judge in, you know, some form or another and uh, in May of 2019. Um but in any event, uh, whether that's what's happening in Britney's situation, it is a situation that happens in a lot of conservatorships. There's a lot of people who, uh, in conservatorships who are not allowed to get married. Um, there are disabled people who have to choose between receiving their, dis- their benefits or being able to get married. Um, because quite often if you become married, then you lose your benefits. And so this is a position and a difficulty that is extends far beyond Brittany and is something we need to address as society. Because if we're going to say that love is love and people should have a right to be who they want to be with, uh, that definitely needs to be extended to the disability community. Um, but yeah, so, you know, all in all, I, uh, I love all the information that's going around, that's swirling around lately and people are really buzzing and talking about all this and it's so good. Um, you know, I hope people continue to ask questions and to continue to push and to continue to educate themselves on the probate system. Um, quite often in this movement, we focus a lot on James Spears and Lou Taylor. And I think it is fundamental for us to remember that Lou Taylor and James Spears they didn't design this system. They didn't create this probate system. It was there ready for them to use and exploit. And so if we really want to help Brittany and all the people who are in conservatorships, we need to keep the focus on the probate courts and to continue to tear them down uh, because this is just unacceptable. Um, I do, I do, kind of question like, you know, this has been a dirty little secret for so long, you know, and now it's starting to be exposed. And, um, you know, this is a very real thing. This is the U.S. court system and there's a lot of money being made. I kind of wonder, was this plan to continue to keep making money and in hopes that, you know, the boomers are soon going to be retired. So there's a ton of money to be made once the boomer generation is old enough And, um, you know, that sounds a little ominous or kind of, you know, strange to some people, but that is the reality of what's happening here. This is legal theft and it can happen to anyone. Uh, we got to break these systems down, but, um, enough about that. Uh, now I want to get into a part of the podcast that is, uh, a little different from everything else we've talked about. And it's a way I would like to end each podcast um, if you guys like it. So let's just see if you even like it. But, uh, I wanted to kind of get back in touch with, um, part of the reason why I created this account, which was to help, um, spreading awareness for Brittany and, you know, conservatives in general. But I also wanted to, uh, blend my love for astrology. Uh, I'm a Sagittarius. Brittany's a Sagittarius. 
all of us Sagittarius's are so obnoxious about sharing a sun sign with Brittany. Uh, but I just found, always found her birth chart so fascinating and wanted to explore that more. It's just as the movement in the case continued on, it seemed that there was really no time to even explore that stuff. But um, let's get into just a little bit, just a little overview. Um, if you're not interested in this, you can certainly the, not let, skip this whole part that, you know, I'm done talking about the other Britney things. But um, yeah. Okay, so the sun is in Aquarius, the moon is in Aries, and we actually have a stellium in Aquarius. A stellium is when there are three or four, three or more planets in the same sign. Um, there is some debate in the astrology community. Some astrologers say there only has to be three planets in a sign, and some astrologers say there has to be four in a sign in order for it to qualify as a stellium. In any event, there are five planets in Aquarius right now, so it certainly is a stellium. Um, stelliums just generally mean that the energy of a certain sign is going to be enhanced or exaggerated, and so it's definitely a lot of that Aquarius energy lately, and has been for you know the last few weeks. Um, the sun will leave Aquarius and enter Pisces in the next few days. But the stellium is going to stay for a while. Um, Venus will leave Aquarius and enter Pisces the end of February. So that's when the stellium will start breaking up a little bit, once Venus leaves the end of February. Uh, but it isn't until mid-March when Mercury leaves Aquarius that it really, like, we will kind of end that energy because it will just be Saturn and Jupiter in Aquarius and they will continue on being Aquarius for the end of the year um, because they are slower-moving planets, so they stay in signs longer than the faster-moving planets. But anyways, so let's talk about Aquarius a little bit because there's so much of this Aquarius energy going on. Aquarius is a fixed air sign. It's ruled by the planet Saturn. Modern astrology says it's ruled by the planet Uranus. Um, you can pick and choose. You can say both. It really, whatever you want. I tend to go by traditional astrology, so I say it is ruled by Saturn, but to each their own. Uh, it is not a water sign, even though it is known as the water bearer. It's a fixed air. So, Kind of think of like how a cloud, um, a cloud is is fixed air. You know, it's literally a conglomeration of air together, but it, and it also holds water, rain. So a cloud is a really great representation of Aquarius energy because it whole is a water bearer and it's fixed air. Um, you know, and you think about clouds as how they kind of, you know, they can move or they can be breezy. They come in all kinds of different shapes and sizes. This is kind of a testament to the uniqueness of Aquarius. Um, now, it, it also is a fixed sign, and fixed signs are said to be kind of unmovable, stable, they have great willpower, they're resistant to change, uh, they're known to be a bit stubborn, um, they're also very practical. It's an interesting blend to have this fixed uh, nature with with Aquarius, but then it also has this air nature, which air signs are said to be logical, but they're also said to be kind of flaky, a little bit aloof. And so blending it together, you get a quite unique um, individual where it's kind of has this archetype of being like a mad scientist because you here you have somebody who 
who goes by the known, you know, we've, we've got known and established rules in science, but is wanting to explore the unknown. And that's where the sense of discovery comes in and keep, you know, moving around. Clouds go all over the world. Uh, this is part of a reason why too Aquariuses and Sagittariuses tend to get along so well. They are both are adventurous thrill seekers. They have a connection with humanity these, I'm just spouting all these words now, but it's there's really a, um, a different kind of nature about Aquarius. So it might explain why there's some of this, um, you know, talk of things that are familiar and old, but are now being resurged and regenerated lately. Um, it, uh, it also could be why we all are feeling like there's a lot of conversations about humanity and uh, interpersonal communications in general, but yet there seems to be kind of a lack of connection too. Um, certainly that could be because of COVID, but uh, that is a very Aquarius type of situation where, um, you know, they're connected with people and they're social and they're really good with networking, but yet there's kind of a disconnect. There's a bit of aloofness. Uh, I think this is really represented really well with um, three Aquarius moon signs Brittany has her moon in Aquarius, Marilyn Monroe does, and so does Princess Diana. All major women who were absolutely beloved by the masses, just a a fascination of a a huge group of loving them, and yet there was a disconnect between them and the public. Major, major Aquarius energy with that. And um, speaking of Brittany's moon, what was very interesting was on February 11th, the moon, it was a new moon in Aquarius. And so we had this stellium in Aquarius, plus the moon of all the planets that I mentioned prior. But on that day, the moon was also in Aquarius. Uh, the moon moves the fastest through all the signs. It tends to only stay in a sign for like two and a half days. Um, so at that time, it was in Aquarius. And so it matched Brittany's birth chart moon of both being in the fifth house and both in Aquarius and I do think that was a good sign. Um, you know, I've, I've been a bit critical about the last hearing, but ultimately it was a good thing. The Again, Brittany's Aquarius moon is in her fifth house, in her birth chart. Um, ooh, I'll back up a little bit. Houses are something that happens in birth chart and they're established as by, they're established by your time of birth. So if ever you want your birth chart done, you've got to know what time you were born so that it can establish what houses. Houses are really kind of the where in your life. So yeah, that was really interesting because, um, you know, it was a new moon in Aquarius and, uh, it was, you know, in on the day of Brittany's court hearing and Brittany's moon natal moon sign, um, the, where the moon is in her birth chart is also in Aquarius in the fifth house. Uh, the fifth house has associations with children, legacy, luck, good fortune. It's really a positive house. It's a house of creativity and pleasure. There's some debate that it can be about sex too. Um, you know, but it's, it's just all these things. It's, it's really a, also a, it's what you make of it, you know, and this is why I think there's strong attachments with children because they really are a physical legacy of people, of creation. And so that was a huge thing. I do think it's positive that there was this transit on Brittany's uh, court hearing day. It's usually quite lucky when your moon, when your natal moon is transiting. And I do think that Bessemer being a part of the conservatorship and having this natural luck with the Zodiac on that day is only going to help her 
Gotta hope so. Um, in other nudes, Mercury is in retrograde. It will go direct in a few days. Of course, there is a shadow period for a few weeks after things go direct. So it won't be until mid-March that we fully get rid of the effects of that. Um, but don't stress about Mercury retrogrades too much. They've gotten a lot more publicity the last few years. Essentially, just see them as kind of a, a routine self-assessment. They happen anywhere three to four times a year. So it's kind of like a quarterly assessment of yourself and uh, kind of a checkup and reevaluating and editing things. Um, yeah, uh, it will, Mercury will officially enter, um, leave Aquarius and enter Pisces in mid-March. And so that will also be the end of another Aquarius attachment. Okay, I think that concludes this episode. I hoped y'all like it. Um, this is my first time doing this, and so I definitely hope to kind of iron out uh, the kinks and kind of see if I can make this as uh, listenable for as many people as possible. Just bear with me. Um, in the meanwhile, please follow me on Instagram. My new Instagram account is Ryan the Sagittarius. My name is Ryan with two N's, so R Y A N N. So Ryan the Sagittarius, and uh, that's my Insta. And then there is my Twitter, which is Brittany the Saggy. I'm not as active on Twitter, but I am there. I know it's bad. It's like confusing to now have my Instagram account be my real name with Ryan the Sagittarius, and then my Twitter being Brittany the Saggy. But uh, this is just part of having those accounts deleted. So <laughs> I'm just going to go with it. Um, and yeah, uh, please subscribe to my podcast. I'm going to continue to put out episodes weekly. And, um, you know, I'm definitely going to be discussing Brittany every week, but Brittany isn't going to be the focus every week. I want to talk about a lot of other topics because Brittany's situation definitely isn't unique or suspicious. <laughs> oh my goodness. Specific. My, my goodness. There we go. Brittany's situation is not specific to her. These certain, um, you know, all of these conversations and issues are popping up in a lot of different ways in so many different topics. And I want to be able to explore that more in this podcast. And so, uh, yeah, just, uh, I hope you all, uh, enjoy it and, uh, join me for it. And it will be a fun place of exploration. Um, enough of, enough of that. I'm just going to keep rambling. Uh, thank you so much everyone for listening. May the expansive blessings of Jupiter reach you all. Bye!